0: i tuning into another week's episode here of the Sister Wave. Our mission is focused on commentary from two sisters dedicated to empowering, educating, and collaborating with the community through our latest topics focused on personal development, cultural history, and social action.
1: You can expect the flow of the show to include weekly topics centered around a monthly topic, features of us highlighting amazing women, us answering your listeners' questions, and occasionally interviews and reports on current events to keep you updated on the new waves of life. So, thank you so, so much for tuning in and enjoy the show.
0: Hello, everyone. This is the Sister Wave, and we are here with Miss Nicole Walters. We just heard her speak at the Sisters in Business Expo, and it was amazing. And we're just here, we just wanted to ask you a few questions, Miss Walters. Of yes. course,
2: it's my joy. Thank you so much.
1: Yes. So, what have been some things that you've learned since being in business for yourself? Like, what have been some of your greatest challenges and rewards that come from working with? Um, Working
2: for yourself. Well, um, it's multifaceted, right? It's two prongs. So I think it's very easy for us to fixate on uh, the the money and the big wins financially and being able to get the recognition and the fame. But the reality is, the biggest challenge as an entrepreneur is really your mindset. It's those moments when things don't work out. It's those times when you need to get balanced and you're working on self care and you're trying to make sure that you still have enough energy conserved to keep going. And uh, those are the things that I really didn't put a lot of stock in. I was like, all I need to do is have the tools and the resources and the structure and the strategy. And I got this. And when I saw the financial reward come in, I was like, I'm doing this right until I hit burnout, until I had that moment when my kids were saying, hey, can you spend more time with me or mom, we miss you. And it was then that I realized that first I had to grant myself some grace, right? I had to go easy because I wasn't going to be all the things to all the people all the time. And then the other side of it was I had to recognize that I had to make sure to prioritize my well-being because I couldn't show up for my purpose. If I wasn't taking care of myself. Yes. So those are the biggest challenges, and I'm thrilled to have to. um to be able to share that information now because it makes a huge difference yes it definitely does
1: and that kind of leads into my next question was just how do you balance being a mother and also running your business
2: well the biggest one is the thing that I tell everyone which it's not just parenting right it's we're all multifaceted people with a lot of things going on and we should be right so if it's being in school and also starting entrepreneurship or being a mom or a wife it's important to understand that you're always going to have a ball on the ground and we have a tendency to think that we should be able to juggle everything perfectly but that that's not real life things some things are gonna have to wait till tomorrow what matters is that wherever you are that you're totally present mm. so when I spend time with my kids everything's turned off I'm a hundred percent there and then if I have to be someplace else well when I'm on stage I'm a hundred percent there because I recognize that that's what really matters so grant yourself some grace as I always say but also recognize that some balls are gonna drop and you know what failure is an event it's not a person it's okay to let things go sometimes right right mm-hmm.
1: So what do you feel like is one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs first make when they get into business?
2: So one of the biggest mistakes that I run into whenever I'm working with my clients in my online academy, 1K1Day, Mm -hmm. is that they come in with their own intent around business and they've kind of just been making it up as they go. Mm -hmm. And the reality is business is a structured system. After working with Fortune 500 for years and years and dealing with multi-billion dollar accounts, I'm more than aware that you need to know your numbers. You need to understand your pricing. You have to pay yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you really want your business to grow you have to pay close attention to these things these aren't things that you figure out later on when you're a real business the minute that you take one dollar you're part of a greater e-commerce ecosystem Mm -hmm. and you have to start looking at yourself like a business because guess what your customer already is so whenever I'm dealing with business owners every single day or artists or, or musicians or anyone who I'm working with I always try to let them know hey You are a real business now, so act like a business. And if you act like a business, you'll get paid like one, too. Right. Okay. last question. So
1: what would be a a piece of advice um, for our listeners or somebody that was wanting to get in the industry that you're in?
2: Um, in the industry of consulting and providing consulting, consulting. to other businesses. Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, make sure that you know what you're doing. So this is not a fly-by-night thing. I've been doing this for 10 years. I went to the 16th-ranked college in the world. You know, and I take what I do very, very seriously. So I recognize that the work that I do every single day, helping people build businesses that are sustainable, is something that I take very serious and I'm very passionate about. Now, that said, also don't minimize your experience, right? Because, yes, we all want a doctor that went to medical school, but we definitely don't want the doctor who's never treated a patient Definitely. so make sure that any knowledge that you have that you've also applied either with yourself or with other new clients before you start really putting yourself out there and taking people's money in order to do the business because at the end of the day these are people's lives and we all want to have a business that's successful and thriving and you're only as good as your last client so uh, there's plenty of room don't wait till tomorrow to get started but make sure that you're always planning every day doing your research doing the work before you get out there
0: Thank you. Thank you again, Ms. Walters. We hope you all enjoyed listening to this snippet of
2: the interview that we had. Do you mind shouting out your social media so our followers can follow you? Of course. If you want to know anything else about me, my business, my programs, or work with me in the future, you can learn more at NicoleWalters.com. All right. Awesome. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: And then,
1: wait, you already adulting people need to hear about cause i'm 26 so you, you find out what you need definitely to definitely in that realm mm-hmm. and just like i said try
2: to <laughs> navigate through
0: the waves of life so any okay you all it's woman feature time this month we have been featuring some different type of women out there and like like me and Mill always say this is our favorite part of the show we love 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 sharing these amazing black women that are doing such amazing and dope things out here making the pathway leading the way being an inspiration so this week we have the absolute pleasure of featuring miss amber scott who is the founder and executive director of leap year Leap Year prepares first-generation students to, to succeed in college and become leaders in their communities through a paid community service gap year program. Their vision is to prepare young, talented students to reach their academic and leadership potential by attending college and breaking the cycle of poverty. Leap Year is in place to prepare, empower, And to serve, which is so amazing, so amazing. Amber believes that the opportunity for higher education should be open to everyone, regardless of where you were born. So she founded Leap Year to change the status quo. She began her passion for social justice after graduating college where she visited Kenya in Africa. She helped the local community by building water wells to assist with water scarcity to help mitigate the violence that was going on between the tribes. Um, After returning from Kenya, Amber got a job with the United Way of Metropolitan Atlanta as a project manager. For the Regional Commission of Homelessness. Um, Within this position, she oversaw and implemented projects with the local government and nonprofit agencies to break the cycle of homeless moving in and out of jails and emergency rooms. Later, Amber started her own consulting firm, Carpe Diem Consulting, working as a nonprofit and social enterprise, consulting using business models to address high, high social issues. Amber in two thousand is a two thousand and eighteen Echoing Green Fellow, a winner of WeWork's two thousand and seventeen Incubate Creator Awards, and was also recognized by Black Enterprise as one of th- as one of the twenty five Black women who are changing the world. She holds a BA in Neuroscience from Smith College and an MBA in Marketing from the from the Ohio State University so thank you Miss Amber Scott for out there one for the great things that you have done in Kenya and came back and did in the city of Atlanta when it comes to homelessness and just educating those and then now even bringing it to the children creating opportunities for them that they probably thought that they would never have so Miss Amber Scott, you are definitely recognized out there. You are definitely shining. All of your hard work is definitely being brought to light and we appreciate the pathways that you have helped create for all types of sectors of people at this point. Like I said, you are doing amazing things out there and we just want to recognize and shine the light on you. If you all do not know about Miss Amber Scott, be sure to do further research on her. Please Google her. Her name is Amber Scott, and like I stated earlier, she's the founder and executive director of Leap Year. Okay, everyone, so we have another listener question. Trish from Seattle, Washington wrote into myself, Ty. She states... I have a friend who is booming in her career in her life right now. She's doing amazing. Just paid off her debt and car, just brought a house, and is really living her best life. She's literally found the keys to success. The other amazing part about that, the other amazing part about it is that she is sharing the keys with me, but I am just not ready to let my certain habits and lifestyle go right now. We're both 25. I'm currently living with my parents and my elderly gram- grandmother helping take care of her. And I'm perfectly fine living with my family and coasting by right now. I just fear adulthood and don't want to fully take, take that step if it's not necessary. My friend keeps giving me the talk, which can be annoying at times. I understand where she is coming from, but I honestly just want her to leave me alone and let me make my own decisions as a person. I want to bring up the conversation before I want to bring up the conversation before I just randomly snap one day. Hashtag I need help. How should I approach this talk with her? Well, Trish, y'all know I only know how to keep it one done. And to be honest. Um, You're being a little bit selfish and kind of inconsiderate. Um, I would die for a friend who would want me to have the keys to success and be living, you know, my best life as well. And not to say that just because you live at home with your parents and your grandmother, that doesn't mean that you're not living your best life. But we we always have to grow. There, There's always, you just always have to continue to grow. Being in a stagnant place, honestly, is not good um, for you. Whether it's physically or mentally, emotionally, everything in your life should continue, should always be continuing you to grow, you know? Um, so... But I can understand, like, your friend constantly giving you the quote-unquote the talk. But you just have to think of it as her coming from a loving place. And what ultimately, like, kind of what she wants in her circle. um, And not saying that you will fall in the category as, like, that bum friend or that friend not doing well. But, you know, she wants to see her whole team winning you know how you know how the song goes my whole team winning <laughs> um so honestly i really don't think there's a talk that needs to be had between you and your friend Trish i really think there's a talk between you and yourself that needs to be had to be um completely honest um you definitely should just you know reevaluate not necessarily your life because like I said nothing's wrong with your life but just what things you want out of life and like I said we should always be continuing to grow um I just one just as young people and then a young black person I'm assuming that you're black (laughs) but um People sometimes like to see us, or they put us in this box or this category, like, oh, you're this age, you should only have this, or you should only be at this level, and you should be married by this age and doing this by this age. Like, that is not how life is, um, and I feel like sometimes other people get caught up in that systematic um that systematic program that was installed in us growing up that we think that that's how life goes so yeah trish i don't really have any advice on how you should approach to talk with her because i like i said i don't think a conversation needs to be had with your friend i really think you should be having an inner conversation with yourself um your friend sounds amazing for like trying to you know like Put you on because you could have that friend that you could have that friend that be the, that's the opposite. That's pulling you back. That's not benefiting you in any way. That's causing more harm, causing you not to grow, causing you to be stagnant, um, which those friends, they're nice temporarily. They're nice for the fun, good times. But at the end of the day, that's not really like a lifetime for me. That's not a lifetime friend. So. Yeah, Trish, I'm sorry (laughs) if my piece of advice was a little bit harsh, but honestly, it's 2019, sis, we on to rockets, soaring, like I said, greater heights, growth, we're going up the ladder, we cannot be stagnant, Um, yes, so the talk should be with you, Trish, and not your friend. (laughs) um yeah so I hope that my piece of advice was able to help motivate you if not you can always write back in and I could um definitely think of some ways of to help stimulate the conversation with your friend or maybe meal you know And for those others that want to write into the show, you can definitely submit a listener question. Like we always state, we get so many questions and we cannot answer all of them on the show. We definitely reply back to everybody. But if you would like to submit a listener question, please be sure to visit our Let's Talk button on our website at www www.thesisterwave.com to submit a listener question. And again, Trish, thank you for writing into the show.
1: All right, you all. So for the current event this week, we decided to cover the case of Santoya Brown. Um, this case has been going on for a long time. So this is not a new case, but recently um, Tennessee governor Bill Haslam said that he's considering clemency for her so we just kind of wanted to um talk about the case and talk about just some of the things that are happening with the case now for those of you all who are not aware of the of Santoya brown so she was convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison in 2004 for killing a 43 year old man who had solicited her for sex when she was just 16 years old The Tennessee Supreme Court ruled last week that Brown must serve 51 years before she's eligible for parole. Prosecutors said that Brown went with Johnny Mitchell Allen with the intent to rob him but she and her lawyers insisted that she shot Allen in self-defense because she thought he was going to kill her. She also said she went home with him to have sex for money on the orders of her abusive boyfriend who beat her and forced her into prostitution in her appeal. She said that she only took money from the victim's wallet after he was dead because she was afraid of what would happen if she went back to her boyfriend empty handed. Um, so let me see. I just want to make sure I don't lead anything else out of this. Um, so basically governor Haslam was speaking at an event, um, where he was talking about Centoya Brown and um, he was asking this. So basically Centoya got her associate's degree from Lipscomb University here in Tennessee and was asking her old professor basically kind of, you know, what Centoya's character was like and things of that nature. And um, the professor basically said, you know, as a victim of sex trafficking and assault, this is an unjust, an unjust sentence in the first place," Lang said. Under Tennessee law, all minors engaged in sex work are legally considered victims of sex trafficking. She has not been treated as a victim of of trafficking and not given the justice she deserves. The Supreme Court's decision that Centoya must serve must serve 51 years before she can be considered for parole is a human rights issue lang said. And so I ask you, what really function functionality is the difference? Well, what really functionally is the difference between life without parole, which is no longer constitutional as the United States Supreme Court declared for minors for any crime, and you might get parole after 51 years for a victim of sex trafficking? One of the moderators attempted to interrupt him and move to another audience question, but Lane continued and said, and so I asked, why has Centoia Brown been incarcerated for 14 years for enduring harm? And so I say, Governor Haslam, you have the power and ability to grant clemency to Centoia Brown. And so I asked when you... I asked, when will you grant her clemency? I ask, what will be your legacy as you leave office? And how will you answer to this human rights violation that the state of Tennessee is committing to by keeping her incarcerated? Um, and so kind of his response to that was, um you know, we're reviewing a lot of cases, he said, and while Centoya's case has gotten a lot of publicity, I don't think you want us to treat hers any different than a whole lot of cases that I think people want us to review. Governor Haslam, um, reiterated that his office is talking to everyone involved in Brown's case, and they will have a decision on clemency before he leaves office in six weeks. In response, A woman in the audience shouted, that's not good enough. And chants of, what do we want? Clemency. When do we want it? Now. And no justice, no peace erupted, preventing the event from continuing. Celebrities including Kim... Kardashian and Rihanna have spoken out about Brown's case and since the Supreme Court ruling last week there's been renewed interest online with advocates encouraging people in Facebook groups and on Twitter to call Governor Haslam's office and demand clemency for Brown before he leaves office in January. A petition on On MoveOn.org using the governor to grant clemency has over 500,000 signatures. Wow. Well, okay. So my thoughts on this case. So I, um, I so I remember. I'm trying to think exactly when I found out about this. Um, you know, Santoya Brown's case. Like it was a few years ago because I was watching um, her documentary. Basically, I watched the documentary, and um. When I watched the documentary, I truly saw a young girl, um, that was battered, you know, that you could tell that she had, she just had a lot of rough things that she dealt with growing up and to be in a situation like that when you're that young, um, and being victimized and being, um you know fear for your life every day basically you know because I mean she's at the end of the day as a okay hold on I'm trying to look exactly um so yeah she was 16 years old y'all 16 years old when she killed this man but this stuff had been going on way before then you know so it's like I personally think that it's an unjust, um, first and foremost, 51 years is for somebody that is defending themselves. Um, and while, of course, at the end of the day, everyone will say, you know, you don't know what was going on. And I mean, at the end of the day. Everybody's going to have their opinion on it. This is just my own personal opinion and just after, you know, just me looking at the documentary, looking um uh, at the the case as a whole, um I truly do believe Santoya. And the reason why I believe her is because of the fact that this case Yes, it's gotten publicity. Yes, it's blown up. But this is the case of a lot of girls here in America, unfortunately, where they are being locked up um, for basically fighting back, fighting back their abusers, you know? Or, I mean, just in general, like, you know, we can get real deep when it comes to like talking about rape culture and all that stuff here in America, but... It's just, at this point, it really boils down to just basic human rights and in regards to being able to, as a young woman, defend yourself, you know? Because um, from my understanding, and it's like, you have to look at it too from the fact that she's a kid, you know? It's like, and not to say that kids don't know better, but... You know, from just from watching the documentary and, you know, gathering the information I have on it, um, it seems like Centoya, because of just the stuff that she dealt with growing up and the trauma she dealt with, um, she was more, what's the word I'm looking for? Susceptible, I guess you could say, to these men and, you know, just them just that, not just her wanting to like feel belong and wanting, wanting that love. And as a child, when you're wanting that or you're being abused and you're associating abuse and love together, then of course, if you got a pimp or somebody coming along, you know, saying that this is cool, this is okay to do, or you're in a situation where you're in a domestic violence situation. And of course, um, you know, people that have experienced that uh, type of stuff. It's just, you're you're not, when you're in it, you're not thinking um, that this is toxic, you know? And also the fact that she's 16, you know? So she's thinking that this is love. She's supposed to be doing this, you know? And so I just always have to look at it from the account of like, she's a, you know, at the end of the day, She's a child or she was a child, um, you know, and so now it's like, I don't know. I just feel like our system does not protect women, specifically, especially black women, you know. And it's like, I, um, with Centoya's story, it's just really heartbreaking and heart-wrenching because this is, this is something that I feel like happens more often than not, and thus why there's so many women that feel afraid to come up and tell their story, or you know, just even because in that type of situation, I don't know. You have, and I. That's another thing. Like I try to put myself, if I was in Toyah's shoes, and I thought that this man was about to kill me, um, you gonna get got first before I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, so. It is not funny at all. Like, I'm not saying, you know, any of that is okay, but it's like, you know, you got to do what you got to do at the end of the day. If you feel like your life is in danger and that is a right in this country that, you know, you should have to be able to defend yourself. And I do honestly feel like um, people are, I don't know. I just feel like the case has been... Because of Centoya, because of the fact of just who she is. um, Of course, it's going to try to get misconstrued that, oh, you know, she was about to rob him. She was doing this. That's what the other people... The other side of the... um, (laughs) Sorry, y'all. The other side... (laughs) is going to try to say about her, you know? But I just, I don't know. It's just really, it's a really sad situation. Um, And the fact that it happened here in Nashville makes it even, you know, because when I first heard the story, like I, you know, like I tell sometimes like I'd be living in a bubble because I didn't know anything about the story and so when I found out about it and I found out it was here in Nashville I'm like oh my gosh like so this is a prime example that it can happen anywhere you know so um I encourage everyone to continue to follow the story you know go ahead and sign the petition if you have not um because you know, if there's any local events going on, um, if you're in the Nashville area, I know that actually this week they are having a march for her. Oh well, this month they're having a march for her. Um, so, you know, just stay stay involved because these are our kids. We want to keep them protected, and I know me i can just speak personally but when i see a girl like this dealing with some of the things that she's dealing with um in regards to to this it's like it makes me just look at all of the little girls that i um mentor to i guess you could say or work with and so it's like that could be any of them you know And just because, you know, she may have made some mistakes in the past as a, um, young girl and maybe following, following the wrong crowd or, um, follow when the wrong guy or whatever the case may be, doesn't mean that she should be locked up and thrown away, um, until she, especially in a case where she's trying to defend herself, you know, um, yeah it's just it doesn't feel right it doesn't seem right and i'm not here for it so we're gonna keep advocating for Centoya, um and yeah because this is important 51 years like um the professor was saying i mean that's basically life you know so It's not fair and the system definitely needs to do some spring cleaning because, well, our juvenile system especially because it's just, it's too many kids getting locked up and can never, you know, get their lives back in order based off of one thing and I'm not talking about the situations where, you know, a kid actually did commit a crime and it was something that was significant to where yes you know you need to do your time you know what i'm saying but even even then it's like um we just have to look at all uh, give a holistic viewpoint of the situation versus you know let's just throw Centoya, um away and not see her ever again in daylight you know so, all right, I'm going to keep you in my prayers, Centoya, and continue to talk about your story and um, write to these governors and sign these petitions because, yeah, you see that the, um with Riri and the other, you know, speaking out, how much that has brought attention to it. So the power of social media is, very prevalent so let's keep up the work and not just hype it up for a while let's let's put work to help her and help these other girls that are in so many similar situations like hers
0: okay again thank you all for tuning into another episode here of the sister wave we definitely hope that you enjoyed our exclusive in person interview with Miss Nicole Walters. We also hope that you enjoyed listening about our woman feature, Miss Amber Scott, our current event that is going on about Miss Jasmine Barnes. And again, thank you all for tuning in. Um, be sure to visit our website, www.thesisterwave.com, and be sure to follow us on all of our social media at The Sister Wave.